0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we have got a really great interview for you today. We are bringing back on the podcast, Brian Falchuk. Uh, Brian is a life coach. You'll remember him from uh, uh, an earlier episode, sharing all of of his wisdom around his do-a-day concept. And now he's written a new book, and he's out speaking about it, and uh, this is really kind of coming on the heels of of Do A Day, which was a best-selling book. With this book, it's called The 50-75-100 Solution. I'm going to let him tell you what all of that means, but it's all about building better relationships, both in business and in your personal life, and I think this is going to be a really powerful uh, episode for everybody listening. I'm, I'm a big believer that all of the business challenges you have can be solved by creating the right relationships and repairing the right relationships in business, and and I think the same is true in, in your personal life. So I'm excited, Brian, to have you back. Welcome back to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. I really appreciate it, and uh, it was good. I had you on my show too, so it's uh, yeah, sometimes a charm for us. Hopefully, that's right. Yeah.
0: So uh, I'm uh, I'm excited about this. I think this is a, a huge topic for people, and. As we discussed before we started, we're going to depart from kind of the normal format here. We're going to dive right into the book and, and what you talk about there. So, so the fifty seventy five one hundred solution. Kind of give us the big picture of that.
1: Yeah, and hopefully the hardest part of the whole thing is just getting the numbers right, and you have gotten it right every time, which is uh, it's no small feat. So so definitely give you kudos for that.
0: That's because it's written right here in front of me. <laughs> You're cheating.
1: <laughs> But actually, I mean, all kidding aside, like, uh, that was probably the hardest part of the whole book. And, uh, you know, you, you got a good marketing head, like marketing people know, like Brian, terrible title. No one knows what that is. They can't remember it. You should call it like relationships suck. It's like, I know it would probably sell better, but it doesn't, it just doesn't resonate with me. So 50, 100 solution. The subtitle of it is build better relationships and that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, we were talking before recording, the numbers really just talk about the pieces of the puzzle. So the, the pieces of the whole relationship, that's what the hundred, 100 represents 50 is like, if there's two of us, whether it's two individuals or two groups of people or, you know, two companies negotiating something, there's two sides of the equation. And that's where the 50 is a 50, 50, like I own my half, you own yours 75 comes from the idea that within each half we're actually split in half again we've got what we're actively choosing to do is our actions you know we're of our own free will choosing to put out there and then the other half of us is our reactions that's how we respond to the world around us and the exact same dynamic goes on in the other person so in each of these halves they're split in half again so it's like you got four quarters to the whole relationship And 75, what that's really about is, and this is where the power and the whole thing comes together is if you own your half, and I think everybody agrees we do, it doesn't make it easy. You know, like controlling your reactions can be really tough, but you can just because it's hard doesn't mean you can't do it. So you own your half, but actually because the other person, half of them is about their reactions to you. By extension, you have influence, quite a bit of influence over half of them. And so if you take half of them plus all of you, that's 75% of the total. And that's where that middle number comes in. You have control and influence over three quarters of what's going on here. And what I found when I recognize that and when, you know, I share it with people that I'm coaching that are struggling with some relationship, I just had a call this morning about it. It's actually really empowering because in so many of these situations, we feel helpless. You know, whether that's we're arguing with someone we love or, uh, you know, one of the examples I share in the book is a coworker who's trying to get me fired or even, uh, you know, negotiation. Maybe it's your, your company's getting acquired. Or you're in court, you know. You feel powerless. When you recognize the influence you have and the control you have, suddenly you're getting back some of your power. And it's not about having power over someone; it's about the power to make change. And so it's it's a positive power. It's not about control and harm and you know that that kind of power. Um, you know, wielding it like a like like a tyrant. It's about the power to move things to a better place. And Better, we can define a whole lot of different ways. You know, for some relationships, they may be fine. They're not, you wouldn't classify them or categorize them as a problem today, but could they be better? You know, could, could they be more loving, more supportive, more invested in what you're doing, uh, more open to your feedback? And for some of them, they are really bad. And so maybe better isn't like you guys skipping off together, holding hands, uh, staring into each other's eyes. Maybe better is we're not trying to kill each other anymore. We're not trying to, uh, you know, the, the work example I gave, my coworker wasn't trying to get me fired anymore and we were working together to make the business better. We weren't friends ever again. You know, we didn't like, I I didn't like being around her per se, but we could be, we could work together productively and it was real. It wasn't like, you know, putting on false airs or just kind of like sucking it up and dealing with it. So there's a bit of reality in all this, you know, I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect, but I am saying that this is a path to making things better. And that's, it's a really uh, comforting and kind of resetting idea when you're facing these tough relationships. And then the real magic is in the how. So, you know, the, the first is just to understand that you can, and that you you've got a hand in doing that. And um, if I ended the book there, it would be a pretty worthless book. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. Uh, I just had some control and now it's up to me. But like, what do I do? Cause if you knew what to do, you would have done it already. Right. So we, we actually, uh, I start with these three core principles uh, from Buddhism that to me are the basis for making that change. And uh, the first one is really the meat of it. It's the idea of happiness seeking. So what what the heck is that? Everybody ultimately just seeks to be happy, right? Whether um, you agree with their version of happiness or not, that's a different question. But That's what they really want. They want something that makes them happier. Now, sometimes they may be confused about it. Sometimes their methods to achieve it may be flawed. And sometimes their happiness may be at odds with yours. We call it a last cookie problem. There's only one cookie left. We can't both have it. And if we split it, neither of us actually gets what we want. We're a bit better off than not having it, but it's not what we really wanted. So I can't have my happiness without you losing yours. So sometimes they're not compatible. But what it doesn't mean is I woke up this morning saying like, there's one cookie left in the world and Steve's not getting it. I woke up thinking I'm getting it. So it's, it's this different approach to it where you feel less uh, maliciousness and intention on the other person's part. You may just be a casualty of war, but that's not why they set out to do whatever they do. Um, I, lo- I love this example because it's really tangible and probably everybody's been there, but being on the highway in traffic and you get cut off, Uh, maybe you're the person doing the cutting off. Either way, I guarantee you that other person did not get on the highway looking for your car to get in front of you. I don't care like how, you know, how aggressive they seem or how targeted it feels. They're just trying to get where they're going. And they made a decision that being one car further ahead would make them happier. And it happened to be your car that was in the way.
0: Are you sure about that? I feel like I've been targeted before.
1: There was that one time, Stephen. Yeah, but one time, but doesn't it feel that way? And then we respond, like we we start yelling, like they can actually hear us, which they can't, you know, maybe one of our fingers (laughs) is extended and it's not our thumb. (laughs) So, like, yeah,
0: We, we, we do all kinds of crazy things. And, um, I don't know where I first came across this, but, uh, Uh, a mental model called Hanlon's razor. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's basically just a way of thinking uh, about people. And it basically is uh, the gist of it is don't, don't attribute to malice that which could be otherwise explained by ignorance.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, but we, we always want to jump to, Oh, they wronged me and they're evil. And, you know, and that, that might not have been what was happening. there.
1: Yeah. And, that it may have been playing out that way, but it doesn't mean the intention was that. And so what, what happiness seeking really is about is kind of like do a day, it's, it's being mindful. So in those moments, trying to step back and just say, what is it they actually want here? Like what are their wants and needs? So the, the call I had this morning, uh, it was a spousal relationship and it was about, you know she's reacting this way to me, she's doing this to me. And he's not wrong. She did react that way to him, she did do these things to him, she did, you know, not appreciate him, she did misinterpret his intentions, but the question is why. And he was very stuck in feeling hurt and so he couldn't see that like, okay, maybe there's something else going on with her and you're in the way. You know, it's it's, it's not that you're against her, but she's viewing it that way because of where she's at. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, what is it she wanted in the first place? I want to go into the details of it because, you know, private conversation, but um, there's an aspect of, of just trying to understand, like, you know, I, I kept asking, like, well, ultimately, what do you think your wife wanted this morning when you guys had that text exchange and now she's not speaking to you? What is it she was looking for? And he, he was like, well, it wasn't just to yell at me. It's like, yeah, she didn't text you to just start yelling at you because it started fine. So now let's look at what what you did and then why she started yelling. And he's like, well, you know, I just said this and I was being really nice. And then she started screaming at me. It's like, well, okay, you did it over text, so you can't read tone. So maybe she added some snark to it because she was not in a happy place to begin with. And she wanted something that she's not talking to you about. So you don't even know what her needs are, but whatever you said somehow didn't jibe with that and it triggered her. And so, you know, this back and forth, like he finally got to like, oh yeah, you know, I know this was supposed to happen today and it's not. Like she was supposed to have something going on today and it got canceled. And so it was like, so she's probably not happy about that. And me talking about something that would have happened when that original event was going to happen just brought it back for her. And it reminded her that she missed out on her happiness and he's going to do his thing and he's going to be happy. And it's not that she just wants to stand in the way of his happiness. She's just feeling bad for herself. She's feeling a loss for her own happiness. And so that gave him the basis to actually have compassion and validate her feelings rather than just getting in this lockout with her. So it's like when you recognize there's some definition of happiness at play, and maybe the person's having trouble with it. Maybe they're not even operating at a deep enough level to know what that happiness is. You know, like people who have been hurt, you know, the the saying hurt people hurt people. They may, on the surface level, be like, I'm going to hurt him. You know, I'm going to be nasty right now. Or like, she's not going to get what she wants because I can't have what I want. The reason why they're doing that is not just to be nasty. It's because they have pain inside and they don't understand how to deal with it. And so they're trying to address their pain like a drug addict. Just take that hit because in that moment of being mean to you, they get a dopamine hit and it makes them feel better for just a second. But in reality, it's not solving the problem. And you screaming at them, well, then they're getting emotion back and they're longing for emotion. I guarantee you they don't understand any of this. So there's different things at play than just like, I'm blindly going to be mean to this person. They're hurting inside and they're misunderstanding how to deal with that hurt. Just like, you know, when you had me on last time, I told you why I was obese. Parents got divorced, all this anxiety. I needed something to fill that emotional hole and food did a really good job in my five-year-old mind, but it didn't actually do a good job at all. So I always just kept eating because it was never actually filling the hole. So I always had a hole to fill, and I still had all the emotional and anxiety issues from the divorce and the feeling that things weren't okay because I was never actually addressing it. It's very similar here. But just having this happiness-seeking understanding on the receiving end of that negativity, it allows you to step back and step down your desire to defend or, worse yet, you know, go on the offense and start hitting back at them.
0: So it... It really—it sounds like it requires something that I, I think, for a lot of us, is is really difficult to do sometimes. And it's it, it's being aware, almost being outside of ourselves and observing yeah. the situation. Yeah. yeah. And and then being able to recognize, okay, I need to put a pause in here and and kind of think about what's happening on both sides. Yeah
1: really hard to do in the moment where you're getting uh, attacked or offended or something's triggered for you. This is not a, uh, you read the book and you're good. I- I'm not done. I got plenty of tough interactions. You know, we, I talk about my marriage in there and uh, it's worlds better than it was when I started the journey and and started looking into Buddhism and, and learned the things that form the basis of the book. Um, but it's not perfect. You know, we, we have ups and downs. It's called being human. Um, so this is something you keep practicing and you keep working on it. It's like life. Like it doesn't end, you know, your goals, your sense of things, your motivations, your inspiration, they evolve as you evolve. And so I wouldn't expect anyone to read the book and be like, okay, every bring it on. Like I'm good. I know exactly. Like I'm going to be super Zen. I'm only going to think about their happiness and and it's all good. No, like it's going to take some work, but I think we all want those relationships to be better. Nobody wants to really live with that kind of pain you know no one wants to go to work and be on eggshells around your boss or your peer or whatever or avoid that customer because you think they're going to be really difficult what if you had a path to make them not difficult and what if you had a path to closing that deal because you suddenly saw eye to eye with the person uh, my day job i've got i work at a startup and i'm responsible for our sales and there's a number of interactions we have where the person's really aloof up front because they've been burned so many times by we're we're a a tech solution. They've been burned by lots of tech solutions that never deliver. And I used to be them. I was on, I was in their role before. Um, So I can empathize. I know what's going through their mind or at least I have a sense of it and I can talk to them in a different way that gets to their actual issue. And so then we're relating about something completely different, not like, hi, I'm Ryan from this tech company, buy my stuff, which is, you know, that, that's one of the things that is not the happiness they're seeking. Like, great, let me get sold right now. That sounds really enticing. Um, yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, you think, right? <laughs> I would say like, uh, so I used to sell cars long, long ago. And uh, from Boston, I go to Fenway Park, to see the Red Sox. And don't hate me for that. And uh, the sales pitch of the guys selling food is like, hey, and then the name of the product. So like, hey, peanuts, hey, ice cream. And it works. So I was like, why don't we do that? Like, hey, Toyota's. It never caught on, um, and I haven't tried that at this company. We should. Uh, yeah, really. Well, so
0: I see this stuff pop up in companies all the time, whether it's an issue with, with a client or customer. I'll tell you where it pops up again and again and again is with partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because that, that is about as close as a marital relationship mm-hmm. as you can get in yeah. business you know, I guess without some of the fun stuff, but I see those sometimes just totally disintegrate. Yeah. It's over little stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Financially, it's awful for both people. Usually yeah, Uh, it's a big hit to the ego. Um,
1: And those bridges are burned and the business is not, yeah, it's, it's very similar. And it's usually because of some relationship issue. It's, it's rarely because of like the nuts and bolts just could not, you couldn't figure out how to make things work.
0: Oh no! It's always because yeah. of a relationship issue. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't have that component of it, uh, you know, running the business, you know, virtually any business is relatively simple, but for the humans inside the business, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, little things. And yeah. So all right. Well, so you you've kind of taken us through the first part, which is yeah. the this happiness, happiness seeking, idea. Yeah. Yeah. What's the next piece of it?
1: So the next piece of it is uh, called interdependence. And the idea of interdependence is that no one is a certain way in and of themselves, always and forever. We're these ways in relation to other things, other people, other situations. So it's like, you know, I would say this is why bullies have friends, right? Like you hate them. And for some reason that person thinks they're the greatest thing in the world. Or like you ask one person out, they say no. Yeah, someone else out, they say yes, and they're like nervous because they're so excited to go out with you. Or one company turns you down for a job or to work with you as a partner or as a customer and another one doesn't, right? We're different in different situations. We click with different people in different ways and same people, different situations. You get different relationships. That's why husband and wives, you know, love each other to death and they're married and raising a family and madly in love in the early days and then coexisting later or maybe uh, you know, love each other and, and very close and kind, and the next day they're at each other's throats and they're reaching out to me because you know, these text messages went awry. You change something about the situation, you change something about the person or the people that are involved, full stop, and you get a different interaction. So what this is, is this is the mechanism for change. Like, it's one thing to know, you know there's I own my half, you own yours, and I can influence yours, and okay, I get happiness seeking, but we have to be connected for that knowledge to go anywhere. So if I understand differently why you might be behaving the way you are towards me, and this interconnection means if I change something, the situation can change. Now I have a mechanism for it. So what if I give you a different version of me to interact with? So this is like uh, you know, the the happiness seeking is the the core idea. The verb behind it, or the mechanism behind it is, is interconnectedness and then, uh, or interdependence, sorry. And then the third is impermanence. And this is just the age old adage that, you know, the only constant is change, nothing stays the same forever. So when we say like, he's bad, she's mean, those are complete and permanent statements, but they're not accurate. No one is always bad, always good, always nice, always mean, always productive, smart, whatever, all the time, they change everything changes. We all have the capacity for change. So actually someone was talking to me the other day. He said, I don't believe that people change. And I just listened to him. I didn't correct him, but like, dude, I used to weigh like 300 pounds and, you know, like was a, a stress ball. And by the way, I was a D student in English and now I have a best-selling book. So something changed. Maybe I'm still me, but things about us can change. And that's really important to understand. So we've got the core idea of what's going on with happiness seeking, we've got the mechanism with interdependence and impermanence is the hope. So it's the idea that like, look, everything can change no matter how bad and permanent you, they're always this way to me. Everything can and will change. So it's worth putting in the work, understanding their happiness, applying it through that interdependence because you can get a change. Even if it's small, small is something you can work with and you can build on it. And so that you know, that's sort of in a nutshell. Maybe the numbers were easier in the end than uh, than the three components and the way I ramble on about them. But it honestly, it it was born of my own struggles in the midst of it. So my wife and I were having a tough time, and you know, I was seeing a, a therapist about it, and she, or a, um, like a licensed social worker. I guess therapist is a is the term, uh, counselor, is the term. Um, and she's like, you you should read this book um, on Buddhism called open heart, clear mind. And I was like, yeah, I'll pick it up. And I, you know, I got it, uh, showed up a couple of days later and I just started digging into it and I was completely blown away. Um, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever read. And people are like, don't you mean your own books? Like, no, this one's better. Definitely. Um, it's amazing. There's a lot to it that has nothing to do with any of this, but there's just a lot that got me to think differently about my position in things, the way I was interpreting and to see a different possibility for how I can process this world that I'm experiencing, instead of why are they doing this to me? Why don't they love me? Why don't they see how good I am? You know, why don't they appreciate, et cetera? It's all these whys about the other person. And um, I was maybe like 30, 40 percent, not even that far into the book. And my wife and I had a really bad fight. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try it. Like right here, right now, in the midst, you know, right in the middle of, of one of these arguments. I'm just gonna tell her, look, I love you very much. This is a really tough moment for us. I don't think it's productive for me to stay in it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go up to bed, let's cool off and talk later. And that's just not me at all. Like I am a, like, no, we have to fix it right now and you don't understand and you have to re- like no, I am good. you don't understand, you know. So it was such a different interaction. I gave her a different version of me to interact with. And she you know lobbed some volley back at me like, oh right, yeah, you're so enlightened now or whatever. Um, and normally I'd turn around and walk back into the room and start explaining to her why she was wrong and why I'm so great again. And, and I just turned and I said, I love you. Good night. And I walked away and, you know, it was weird the next day, but we did sit down and talk and it was still tough. But with everything she threw at me, I just came from the same place is I'm not here to correct you or tell you that your feelings are wrong. Cause by the way, nobody likes to have their feelings invalidated. That's, that's one kind of happiness that I think is pretty universal. And what I was trying to do is just listen for like, what's going on under the surface here when she tells me I'm doing this to her, why does that not sit well with her? And so it's through that and literally like really just listening and not giving her uh, that normal version of myself where I hit back, things started to change and it took a couple of weeks, but I was really consistent with it. And it's not like we've never had a problem since then, but that was when things started to shift and we built from there. And at the same time, I had this situation at work. Literally, that was like a Saturday with my wife. That Monday, I walked into work and one of my coworkers uh, sent this really nasty email trying to get me fired. And the reason we've come to find out is she had screwed up pretty horribly and was covering it up and nobody knew. And a few of us kept stumbling on things that were gonna expose it. So she went into you know, defense or offense, I don't know which one it is, but, uh, like preemptively trying to get other people fired before they exposed her. And, uh, so again, I used, I used the approach right in the midst of it. And it was like, she'd attack me and expect me to try to fight back. And she's, she's an ex litigator. Like she would win in any argument anyone had. So I I just realized like arguing is not going to work with her. So instead I, I actually said, thank you when she went through this whole, like, you know, Brian's terrible and he did all these things wrong and he's worthless and blah, 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 with our CEO sitting there, um, I said, thank you. I just said, you know, I have a different take on the information that you presented, but that's actually not relevant. It's not worth us arguing over whose data is right and whose is wrong. I want to understand what it is you're really concerned about here. Like I was asking her to tell me what the happiness was that she was seeking and she was totally taken aback. And she said, she's like, this is what I'm worried about for the business. And she didn't even blame me for like, or say like, you're going to get us to this bad place. She just said, that's what I'm worried about. And I think it's going to come to to fruition if we don't do something. You know what? I agree with her. So I was like, yeah, I feel the same way. What can we do about it? Here's a few things I think I can do to help. What do you think? And she, so instead of me blocking her happiness, she saw me as helping her achieve it. Um, So that's where we got to this place where actually we could work together She wasn't trying to get me fired. Uh, Now things kept coming out about what she was covering up. And so eventually she ended up leaving. Um, And she wasn't a peach to work with all the time because she was really worried about, you know, looking bad and getting exposed and all that. But I understand all that now. And I understand another level of her happiness. It's not about me or any of our our peers that she was attacking. It was about her insecurity with herself and her fear of losing her job. And she viewed all of us, instead of being able to help her through it, which we could have, She viewed us as the biggest risks for her and she engaged in the wrong way. So we tried to give her a different version of ourselves to see that actually we can help her.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it it occurs to me that in situations like that, you've to to fully repair a relationship in any part of your life, you've got to have a partner on the other side, whether it's, uh, you know, the the woman at work or your wife or whoever yeah. that is actually interested in repairing the relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where the definition of better comes in. So in that one, she wasn't actually interested in that. So it was a better was about being able to work together with my wife. Obviously it's a different story with my siblings, with my parents, with friends So you know, we all have falling out with friends from time to time. Um, with other coworkers where, you know, we have a miss, I get someone at work who I said something and he took it really harshly and he snapped at me. And that's not what either of us wanted. He didn't want the harsh thing that he felt was coming from me and I didn't want him snapping. So we sat down and talked about it, but both of us wanted that to not be the norm because we had a really good working relationship. So we worked through it. We talked about why each of us reacted the way we did what we actually wanted and realize like we're both being ignorant about it because we're missing what the other ones actually got going on who just happened to express it in a less helpful way than they could have. So, you know, being partners in it, we could talk through it and kind of take the emotion out and just get to that happiness seeking and operate at that level, which, you know, that's the best kind of situation you can hope for. That's not always going to be the case, but you can still move things to better even if it's not necessarily with, uh, you know, like the guy who cut me off. We're not partners and we are kind of playing in the same game like Frogger there with our cars. But, um, you know, I could make that not be adversarial. I could choose not to try to cut him off or give him the finger or whatever. And by the way, I got off at the next exit and he was still stuck in traffic. So it wasn't so bad for me in the end, but, um, you know, it's just, we have different situations that we can choose what better ends up looking like. But yeah. If we have a real partner, we're in a we're in a higher chance of getting to truly better, and maybe they can become that. You know, even if they're not at first, you just have to keep working at it.
0: Yeah, well, and I think, uh, as, you know, as as I reflect back as you're, you know, I'm listening to you, I reflect back on all the various relationships I've had over my career and and in life. Um, you know, having this approach because really you're starting from a place of being mindful Mm -hmm. and trying to remove your own emotion. Cause you can control that, remove your own emotion from the situation, no matter what the person on the other side does. I mean, if we just start there, no matter what they do, you've already controlled your reaction. Yeah. And, and that automatically improves your situation or your experience of the situation. Then you can go to work, you know, it's, maybe it's sort of like putting your, your own mask on, on the airplane, you know, when the oxygen drops from the sea. Yeah. Which a lot of people, experience, I hope, yeah. you know, it's, but it's like you sort of have to take care of that first before you can then engage in it. Uh, clearly from, from your story about how you uh, were able to apply that with your wife, it, it doesn't take a long time to do it. You can just decide sort of in the moment to do it. And yeah. it's just a matter of almost like deep breath. Okay. I've kind of got control of, of myself. Now I can observe and, you know, and not reflect back all of the emotion that's being put into the situation.
1: Yeah. No, it's really well said. And I still think I'd probably put my son's mask on before mine, but I know that's the wrong answer, but, uh, <laughs> the analogy holds the metaphor holds. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I've never been in that situation. I have not been tested and yeah. I hope I never am, but, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, it just, uh, it, it seems like it's a very practical way to a approach a lot of these situations and we run into it in all a- every day. aspects of life yeah. every day. Yeah.
1: yeah. And we're all carrying stuff around. And so, you know, I like going back to, I, I totally overused the scenario, but the guy cutting me off in traffic, he was in a plumber van. Like, I, I don't know why he cut me off. Maybe he's just an aggressive driver or maybe he's like trying to rush to someone's house cause a pipe burst and, you know, trying to save the furnace or my, my heist, my heist, my house flooded. Um, my house is fine. My house flooded, though. Um, and yeah, our furnace was like within inches of being destroyed. And so, you know, like, I, I understand maybe there was an emergency he's going to. I, but we carry we carry these things around. We carry around our purpose. And people don't necessarily know what's going on inside. So, you know, going back to your earlier point, like, assuming that things come from a place of maliciousness, it's an ignorant way to interact. So why not let go of that? and try to look for the real underlying thing going on here. And you may feel a lot less attacked. You may be able to respond differently, and that you know might take a few times, or a few days, or weeks, or whatever, but it's worth it. Who doesn't want to have more peace in their life? I, I don't care how tough you are, and how much, like, you know, I'm from Boston, so the Boston accent will come out, oh, come on, guy, we don't need peace, like, come on, get tough. I don't care what kind of person you are. Nobody wants to have arguments, truly, like really deep down, you don't really want to fight with everybody. You might be fighting for a reason that, you know, insecurities or, or discomfort or pain. But the reality is we all just want things to be okay. So I do think this is really universal. I do think it applies in literally every day of our life because we we relate to people all over the place. Um, and it's it's ultimately our choice. So this to me is a very empowering way to look at these moments and recognize how you can start to make them better.
0: Very good. Very good advice. So where can folks find the book?
1: So you can find everything I do at brianfaltruck.com. The book itself has its own website. It's all numbers. It's 5075100. So 5075100.com. Um, it's up for pre-order and it comes out on November 19th. So that's, uh, that's the awesome. big release date. And I'm doing a special on the Kindle for 99 cents because I literally just want everyone to have it. Um, I'm not going to retire off my books, so I'm not, you know, I'm not selling it for big money. I just, I want as many copies out there cause I know everybody, literally everybody has a situation where it could help. Um, so I try to make it as accessible as I can and it's in every format, but the Kindle itself is 99 cents through the, the release date.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. Everybody's Very got generous. a dollar, right? Hopefully. Yeah. All right. So we will link, um, in the show notes to, uh, to the book page uh on the website and uh do you want them to go to the website first or, or straight to amazon
1: uh it'll the website will take them through to amazon so that's fine whatever okay. whatever they want I'm i'm not bothered but i know that's really bad marketing 101 but uh i don't care as long as as they find what they're looking for i'm happy
0: all right well folks go check out the book it's the fifty seventy 100 solution build better relationships and uh Brian Falchuk, thanks for coming back on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve.
0: This episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast is sponsored by the Unstoppable Agency. That is the agency part of our business where we work with professional service firms and create a done-for-you marketing program. And what that looks like is we actually sit down with you. We come together and define your ideal client with you. We go build a list of those people and then we begin reaching out to them on your behalf to book them as guests on your podcast. We call it podcast prospecting and it's a fantastic way to connect with potential clients and influencers that can refer you and it's end-to-end a done-for-you system. And so if that's something that you think might be the right fit for your business, go to our website, go to unstoppableceo.net. You can uh, find there on the homepage a link to a video presentation that explains how it all works. And if you'd like, let's get together and have a quick 20-minute conversation and see if we're a fit. Again, that's at unstoppableceo.net, right on the homepage. Look for a link to the video that explains how it all works.